Coming up, stay at home or stay alert. Confusion instead of clarity as the Prime Minister tries to find a way out of the lockdown. We'll try to figure out what Boris Johnson actually said, which frankly is going to be rather difficult. Hello, Paul Osborne here. Thank you for downloading this latest podcast. A brief moment of certainty in an increasingly uncertain world. Last time, we pondered whether Boris Johnson's tangle with the coronavirus might in some way change him, maybe soften some of those libertarian edges. Not so much. The Prime Minister returned to primetime television at the weekend for a 10-minute ramble, masquerading as a roadmap to normality. You know, these type of broadcasts are rare events. The point of a ministerial broadcast like that is to provide clarity and reassurance in difficult times. It seems that nobody explained that to the communication geniuses inside Downing Street because the one thing Boris Johnson didn't provide was clarity. Instead, if anything, he seemed to treat this public health emergency as if it were a game show hinting at new rules without saying what they were in any detail, but promising more details when we tuned in next time for the next instalment 24 hours later. So now it's stay at home, unless you're popping out. Work from home, unless you have to go to work. Keep your distance, unless you can't. And stay alert, whatever that means. What the Prime Minister did appear to do in dropping the stay-at-home slogan and replacing what was a very clear instruction with what are at best vague aspirations was to leave millions of people puzzled as to what exactly is now expected of them. What does seem clear, though, is that if there is going to be a spike in infections or, God forbid, a second wave, Boris Johnson is determined that he will not take the blame. It'll be your fault if you get sick because you didn't follow the advice. You might think that advice was opaque and close to incomprehensible, but it was advice nonetheless. We have frequently highlighted and indeed criticised Boris Johnson for his loose use of language, for his reluctance to face proper scrutiny, for his desire to avoid the blame. Initially, he only supplied a pre-recorded statement to broadcasters, would only accept pre-screened and pre-approved questions from the public, and only agreed to face questions from journalists after a great deal of criticism. His common statement on the coronavirus this week was the first he has made on the outbreak. Let's at this stage bring in Robert Meakin. Look, Robert, we can we can dig into the changes and there's actually little to no change. The lockdown is basically the same as it was before. It's the tone and the emphasis that's changed. But the communication of it in those first 24 hours was absolutely catastrophic. Uh, Indeed. Trying to strike the balance presently of keeping lives safe while at the same time trying to work out a way to navigate a route that allows the economy in some fashion to be kick-started is is an unenviable task. I I get that. It's extremely, extremely difficult and complex. It's not easy to have a straightforward message in this. But that aside, there's obviously been complete confusion. And really, I mean, the, the Prime Minister just simply didn't need to make 
that TV appearance, all it did was muddle things further. He's they've now essentially had to you know, come come to Parliament. It's only when scrutinised are we beginning to get a, a, a slightly clearer idea of where they stand. If you're Prime Minister, you've got to speak for a dozen minutes and actually outline your strategy to everyone of different generations, of different economic circumstances. People are working in all those different uh, workplaces. That, it, it, it's pretty damn difficult to, to get a clear message in the current climate to all those people at this time. But he tried to do it and it just proved impossible. And of course, it was open quickly to uh, the inevitable anger and ridicule. It is difficult, but being prime minister is difficult. Leading a government is difficult. These aren't easy jobs. That's why it's hard to get them, or at least that's why it's supposed to be hard to get them. And you can say, and it's quite rightly, that if you actually read the 50-page document that was published on Monday, if you listen to the common statement, the subsequent clarifications, yeah, it's pretty clear that the advice is actually stay at home as much as you can. Yes, they want to encourage people to go back to work in certain circumstances. Yes, they want to find a way to get the schools open again in June, at least the primary schools, and get some of the kids there. But the problem is that 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 lack of clarity, that muddled and confused ramble in front of tens of millions of people was the reason why the roads and the tubes in London were packed on Monday morning, because people came away with it thinking, oh, I have to go back to work now. Yeah, it brings out the the worst in Boris. If Boris's admirers would say, here's a man when he's on form, he, he can really make you know, the, the, the emotive speech. He can he can uplift the, the, the national spirit, certainly among those who, who have voted for him. He's been a proven winner in that regard when it comes to uh, the ballot box. But what Boris has never been, that we well know, is, is, uh, is, is a details merchant. I mean, he leaves such pesky things to other people. He's the person who comes along at the end, kicks the door down and puts the top spin. And I think this was all sort of Boris at his weakest, really, because he he was he, he was very anxious, obviously, to have his moment to deliver his latest address to the nation. But then, you know, just left us confused with just his, 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 his trademark broad brushstrokes. That's just that is it hasn't been the time for that. It is It is a time for detail and clarity at the moment. And we needed that first before then Boris could do his normal bouncy Labrador bit at the end and say it's all going to be fine, folks. We needed you know, clearer details from the beginning. It is extraordinary, the extent extent to which, you know, those clear instructions from the first broadcast were replaced with these sort of vague aspirations and a bit of sort of vacuous spin. You're not trying to win a political battle with your rivals. You're trying to convince the entire population, nearly 70 million people, to follow potentially life-saving advice on a public health emergency. Now, look, hats off. 23rd of March, black on yellow type with a big red border, stay at home. Unambiguous, clear, an obvious response required from the person who sees it. What do we get now? A big green box. Well, green normally means go. And it says stay alert. Uh, An instruction that's so unclear that there's another poster with six explanatory points. Now, look, Generally speaking, I'm no advertising expert, but if you come up with a seven-word slogan that's so confusing you need another 50-word document to explain it and then another 50-page document to explain it still further, it's possible that it's a crap slogan. Yeah, and goes back to the root of what what Boris Johnson is as, as a person and a politician. He instinctively 
philosophically isn't comfortable with the idea of a lockdown. It's something he never imagined in his political life he would have to do. And he is trying just as a flash an ankle at us and say, you know, no, this there is a way forward here. But I, with being the good old fashioned libertarian I am, I'm giving you the option. I'm giving you your heads here to, you know, to if you behave properly, there there is a way through this. But to to explain that as a prime minister in the speech, just that there's so many caveats in all that and so many different scenarios, you get lost and muddled very, very quickly. Far easier, of course, to say, just stay at home, just stay safe, don't take any unnecessary risks at all presently. A far clearer message. Now he's gone into that sort of grey area and there are a thousand different clauses suddenly that have to be covered and it's very, very difficult to communicate. What's weird is that the obvious sensible strategy for communicating this was actually the one that they followed on Monday. And this should have been the first thing we heard about it, was the publication of that 50-page document, followed by a statement to the House of Commons, followed by a news conference where the Prime Minister would take questions on his strategy from journalists. We didn't need the Sunday night ramble, but he couldn't resist the urge to, to be prime ministerial. He, I mean, I imagine there's something within Boris Johnson that loves the idea of the TV schedules being interrupted so that Boris Johnson can address the nation. But if you're going to address the nation, you need to do a damn sight better job than that cobbled together nonsense he came out with on Sunday. There's also, he's well aware, of course, that there's a, a large section of the country, a lot, dare I say, of, of Tory supporters as well, who are of a certain age, who are, who are resenting you know, increasingly by the day this current lockdown scenario. There's, of course, been a great deal of, of pressure in, in, in his own political ranks, certainly in the media. People are saying, you know, when is our when is it, is this going to be our happy Monday? Do you remember, that was the phrase that was being used just a couple of days ago. People wanting to see some sort of light at the end of the tunnel. And he somehow wants to be sort of the merry monarch in this. You can still say, you know, don't worry, folks, I'm almost getting us there. And it's, 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 I think he just wanted a foot in both camps. He wants to be the good time prime minister. He always wanted to be the good time prime minister. The whole conduct of the 2019 election campaign was, you know, vote for me, we'll get Brexit done, bish bash bosh, the taps will get turned on, the money will start flowing and you will be happy again. Now, and we've said a million times, look, nobody would want to be the person in charge of responding to this crisis. But Johnson, as well as wanting to be the fun time PM, has also always imagined himself as a Churchillian figure. And respectfully, he is failing that test every time a question is asked of him. The Britain that he imagined when, yeah, when, he, when he crushed Jeremy Corbyn in that last election, of course, just doesn't exist anymore. It's a very, very diff different landscape, never mind just now, but for the next, you know, next few years ahead. And it's, it's, whether, it's whether Boris Johnson will prove to be you know, the, the, the fitting politician for such an era. Right now, it, I think to put it politely, the jury is out there, whether he is really the right person, right person for the job for these times. Yes, he did suit, as you say, that sort of brave new world narrative. Whatever you thought of Brexit, whether you were for or against it, you know, but Boris channeled that and channeled it very effectively, that, that can-do spirit saying, we're going to move forward as a new, fresh global nation while aware of our remarkable history, all that all stuff stuff was in abundance suddenly that that's all been shifted to one side it's a very very different world for him to deal with now is he the prime minister who can, who can flourish or you know, or even operate rather in in such an environment it really does remain to be seen and the wheels really did start to fall off after prime minister's questions last week when he 
just started pulling these things out of his hat, just saying, oh, yeah, no, well, I'm hoping some changes will come in on Monday. And then, yes, as you say, the newspapers then ended up deciding, oh, well, that means we're being freed on Monday. So then on Thursday of last week, people just started ignoring the restrictions and just said, well, oh, apparently we're being freed. Going into a warm bank holiday weekend, it was the worst possible time to just pull something out of out of your pocket and just say, oh, oh we're going to free us all on Monday or give that impression. And the problem again on Sunday was you gave the impression that you wanted people to go back to work. You gave the impression that the lockdown was, if not over, then being significantly altered. And it's only when you actually read the detail that you discover that, no, the lockdown is still in place. But I'm hearing about firms, not in manufacturing or construction, you know, firms whose workers have been successfully and productively working from home, who've now started saying, oh, well, we better get you back in the office then. Uh, The Prime Minister wants us all to go back to work. There is no room for ambiguity when you are dealing with a deadly virus. And yet somehow ambiguity was studied all the way through this response. And it's a very dangerous ambiguity as well, because there's an unfortunate side of human nature in this. There's a significant percentage of people, I think, who are in denial or frankly being overly selfish about, about this whole affair. And the people who, who just kid themselves that you know, we're, we're ready just to get back to normal, in inverted commas. And there's an indecent haste to get back to something resembling the old times. And we just we just have to be careful because you give people an inch and they take a yard. That old saying, I really do think that's the case. You have to be very careful with this because the prime minister starts saying that we're getting there. People take that further. People push it further. That's just that's a part of human nature. Look, there is relatively good news of the, that the R has slipped you know, presently below one. It could so easily come back and then the government have all manner of new you know, allegations and questions to answer if they've botched this and somehow we see another spike again. But, you know, Boris's communication skills at the moment just, just haven't really been fit for purpose in these last 24, 48 hours. What he's also done is set out these other staging posts back to some form of normality, which are conditional. But a lot of people are going to think that they're concrete They're going to think that at the beginning of June, some school pupils are going to go back to school, that at the beginning of July, the cinemas are opening, so are loads of shops and possibly even a few bars and restaurants. In this document, it's pretty clear. It's all conditional on that R number not rising above one, on us not seeing a spike in infections, not seeing a rise in the number of deaths. This virus is still tearing through care homes, killing hundreds, thousands of our frail and elderly relatives. It is a very precarious state that we're in here. Yes, as you say, it's much better than it was in March, but it's nowhere near perfect. And with the politician's hat on, someone like Boris Johnson is going to find it very hard to go back on television at the end of this month and say, you know what, actually, we're not where we needed to be to move on to the next phase. It's going to be a bit like the testing target. Having said, we'll get you 100,000 tests a day. You've then got to do it. Now, even if, as it turned out with the testing target, you fiddle the figure for one day and, and then it just slips away again. He's going to have to, in some, on some level, deliver some further relaxation in June because he has to show that he's making progress. So he's created a kind of hostage to fortune here. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, and of course, he, he's saying 
I mean, the, the narrative has been, well, don't don't worry, I'm re- I'm ready again to pull the handbrake up here if there's any suggestion that you know, the that things are on the rise. That for him and for the credibility of the government and for the confidence of the nation is also disastrous. If there is another surge in, in, in this disease in this country, it'll look like the government have completely lost control, that they've completely misjudged it. The message needs to be clear. I'm hopeful now after today that maybe responsibility will kick in and people will actually begin to see quite what the government really meant rather than the slightly botched message that we first got. And let's just keep our fingers crossed that, that we can now proceed in a reasonably realistic uh, fashion. Yeah, there is a chance to to row this back, as you say, to recover from this. But it, it means that you have to be clear, unambiguous, honest with people, honest about what's working, honest about what's not working, willing to take the short term pain you know, in the coming weeks of saying we're not going to open the schools now or we're not going to be able to open your hairdresser at the moment. You're going to have to wait another few weeks. Be honest and clear with people, because the most important thing is that they trust what you say. That trust is so vital at the moment. Don't squander it by spinning them like we're in a, a, a general election. I did read someone the other day. It was an interesting observation of, of Boris. It was Matthew Paris in the Times, and he said he said that yeah, Boris does have that sort of that sort of instinct of thinking the hoi polloi can't really be trusted to understand the reality of events, and that he somehow needs to he somehow does need to put on this jolly spin. I think yeah, it, it'd be very foolish to um, underestimate the, the intelligence of a, of, of a large percentage of the general public, and I think a lot of us would rather he would say, look, we cannot say right now I, I it would be foolish of me to start banding around dates because quite frankly we don't know we can judge that in the next week the week after we will only make these calls when you are safe these are difficult and hugely significant decisions to make and i think that sort of narrative would i think would cut through a lot more effectively to people than trying to sort of give these, these broad sort of time scales that then people, of course, just by human nature, then they cling to and say, well, that's going to happen in June. That's going to happen in July because now th- those dates are out there and it's the way our media works. They, they hold you to this. Sometimes I think it'd be better actually to say, I, I, I'm not going to, I can't level with you quite presently because we really, we just don't quite know at this stage and we, we're working our way through this with you and we will let you know as soon as we, we can say more. And I sometimes think that sort of honesty would be better than trying to you're trying to present it in this sort of way where you end up being sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place and no one's satisfied or reassured. No, exactly. You, you level with people about what you don't know. It's a really good way of of building trust. Look, two months ago, when, when we started down this path, it was all about how the government was going to protect you, was going to protect your income, was going to stop you from losing your job, was going to stop you from losing your house, was going to do what it could to protect you from the virus. And now suddenly we've pivoted to you need to think about getting back to work, but also to saying... And this is true, obviously, that there is no path out of this that isn't completely devoid of risk. But to kind of saying it's up to you as an individual to make your own assessment of how risky or dangerous you think certain things are and act according to your own judgment of what you think is risky. Now, look, people make those kind of personal risk assessments all the time. 
you know, if you choose to buy a motorbike and ride a motorbike, statistically, if you're involved in an accident, you're likely to be injured more seriously than if you were in a car. And you make that decision yourself when you choose to buy a motorbike. But we're not talking about buying a motorbike. We're talking about exposure to a hidden virus that kills a proportion of the people who get it that can be fatal to vulnerable people who you may come into contact with and for which there is no treatment or cure. Why should people be asked to make their own personal risk assessment on something like that? You get plenty of people on the so-called libertarian side of things who are saying just that, that people should be given their heads and, and, and actually the situation wouldn't be any worse than where we are. These are such extraordinary times that this is a time where the government does have to engage far more than ever before and give us a framework within which to uh, lead our lives, to, to give us our daily guidance, because uh, it's just hard to see it work physically, practically working in any other way. If you just say to people, improvise accordingly, you're a sensible young woman, you're a sensible chap, you know what to do. Plenty of people are. Other people might not be so lucky. We know there are there are going to be casualties in this still. And that even you know, part sections of the media have been crying out for a loosening of the lockdown. We'll be very quick to say such and such has died. Why? Because he or she went back to work and somehow has caught this dreadful disease. That the, these story, these horror stories are going to come out. There's it's no easy way of doing this. But my instincts, and I think a lot of people's instincts are that we expect the government right now. To actually, frankly, to be in the business of protecting us, to be giving us guidance, and to, and we we need to trust them. You know, you mentioned that idea of Boris Johnson and that attitude towards what did he say, the hoi polloi. You know, some Tory MPs are apparently privately quite worried that the pandemic, and particularly all of that state support, the furloughing, the business support, and all of that, could fundamentally shift public perceptions about the size and role of the state and could shift politics to the left. And with the VE Day anniversary, they've been thinking about this quite a lot because Churchill led the country to victory in the Second World War and then lost the election because people weren't willing to have sacrificed so much only to return to the unequal status quo that existed in the 1930s. But I would suggest that the message that was initially sent on Sunday that idea of get back to work now. You guys have all become addicted to free money from the government, so it's time to get back to work. A policy that would appear to put millions of ordinary people at increased risk of contracting a deadly pandemic virus, but protects the affluent who are safely able to carry on their white-collar jobs at home. And that is the kind of thing that in the end might shift opinion against you, particularly the opinion of those working-class voters in the North and the Midlands who handed you your election victory six months ago. There's obviously a real opportunity uh, for for a, a very, very different approach to the way we, we, we live our lives and, and, and deal with our priorities. I, I'd have to say it's certainly not uh, particularly important in the scheme of things at the moment. The, the leader of the opposition, I think, has made a, a solid enough start overall. He couldn't be accused of trying to score you know, cheap political points. Yes, he's the leader of the opposition. He's going to criticise. But I think he's he's come across as quite solid, informed and responsible so far. Who knows what effect this will have on the Boris, Boris Johnson story? I mean, you made the Churchill analogy there. I mean, Churchill was considered a, you know, a great wartime leader and they still booted him out. Maybe you know, Boris might be booted out for being a not so great wartime stroke pandemic leader. We will see. I mean, this is also going to put an enormous strain on the union as well. I mean, technically under these new rules, 
I can leave my house in London and I can drive up to you, up in the far north of England, if I fancy a walk around the beautiful grounds around your country estate. But if I were to cross into the Scottish border, I'd be breaking the law. And if I were to drive down the M4, once I crossed over the Severn Bridge, I'd be breaking the law. Boris Johnson is effectively now speaking as England's Prime Minister. The Scottish First Minister went on television on Monday night to repudiate what the Prime Minister had said a few hours earlier. This is a dangerous situation to be in if you are a unionist, as Boris Johnson is. Yeah, I mean, they'd say the politics of devolution, I mean, it makes this trickier in terms of having one coherent voice. I am hopeful that everyone will sort of merge together as time goes on because we can't have this sort of intolerable state of affairs with the the leader of Scotland saying one thing, the Welsh coming out with something else, then something from Belfast and then Boris contradicting them from London. It's just just not sustainable. We cannot have these sort of ambiguities. We need to have one voice. Egos need to be chucked out of the window presently. and And I don't think we can have these sort of anomalies going on. It's just, it's utterly ridiculous. As we mentioned a little earlier, at the start of the outbreak, The government took responsibility for large sections of our life, for keeping us safe. We were told to stay at home. It took responsibility for keeping us secure by promising to guarantee the incomes of many of us. It took responsibility for keeping businesses afloat. But suddenly it seems to have got a bit bored of those responsibilities. Now it wants to rid itself of some of them. It's your job to use common sense. Even if common sense is telling you in a nagging feeling at the back of your mind that what the government's saying might not be right. So send your kids to school, even if you're not convinced it's safe yet, so that you can go back to work, even if you don't think that's safe either. Hope that your employer protects you while you're there, but keep working anyway if they don't. And if, at the end of all this, you contract the coronavirus, well, it's your fault. Because the government told you to stay alert. We'll leave it there for now, as ever. There's more on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Party Games Pod and at PartyGamesPodcast.com. You can download all the past episodes and subscribe to hear the future ones. For now, though, thanks to Robert. Thanks to you for listening. Do stay alert. And until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.